Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Part four of our big review and preview. We'll see us talking about Borussia Mönchengladbach, Hertha BSC and new boys, Heidenheim 1846. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you to this very special preview review edition of Beer and Honey. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for all the support. Uh, as members of the official Beer and Honey Supporters Club, the membership is growing. We still need a few more. If you can, please become a fully paid up member or even better, become an ultra and receive pyrotechnics, firecrackers, big flags. Actually, no, just a mug, but a very, very beautiful mug uh, with Christoph's lovely face and, and mine as well. But Christoph, let's start with our first part of our review. And we have a very special guest. Yeah, Yannick is with us today. Yannick Sorgas, he is the chief reporter for um, Rheinische Post, the biggest uh, regional newspaper in the area around Mönchengladbach. Actually, the paper is based in Düsseldorf. And he... Um, He has, has some credibility uh, already by his upbringing because he was born and uh, brought up close to the old Bökelberg. And um, when he was, uh, he was a kid, he could hear the crowd of the Bökelberg um, at home in the garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, depending on the wind direction. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, Uh, he, he has been in, in the US, he's, uh, he's um, has covering uh, Werder Bremen briefly and then has returned to his home area and now for some years he is uh, the beat reporter for Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's also having a hosting a podcast, it's called Fohlenfutter and I think it's the, we can translate this into foal fodder is that right no. yeah, yeah yeah I don't know foal. if that's a proper in English it could even be foal food that's almost a, a pun yeah <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the the um, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach are known as the foals so um Yeah, uh, Yannick, um, uh, we're happy to have you here and uh, talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach. And before we look back, I think we, uh, we have to look at the actual development this week because um, there's a shock departure. Jonas Hoffmann um, uh, released his contract. Um, Bayer Leverkusen got him for, for 10 million. And I don't know, for, for me... And I think for a lot of supporters, this came as a surprise. Also for you? Yeah, I cannot say anything differently. Um, I heard some rumors, but they seemed so far away that uh, I didn't take them as seriously as they now have been, as we know. Um, yeah, and also like the time where he uses his release clause, beginning of July, usually you think, okay, by the end of June, everything has expired and... Um, who uh, is still at the club has to be sold or the, the leave has to be negotiated. 
So yeah, all in all, it came by by big surprise as everybody thought he is the uh, top candidate for succeeding Lars Stindl as captain also, and you know the only um, German national player in Gladbach. Yeah, certainly huge surprise this week. Uh, Yannick, you hinted at his importance, but for those who perhaps haven't followed Gladbach that closely, how much of a blow is it? Uh, especially after losing already quite a few players this season, having a new manager in charge, and that rebuild will now have to happen without Jonas Hofmann. By numbers, it's it's a, a huge blow because he has been the only player scoring in double digits for uh, two seasons, um, 12 goals, and also last season, 10 assists. So uh, double, double digits. Um, that's a huge achievement. And yeah, he's he's been at his best uh, at the age of 30, uh, a late developer, certainly, but um, yeah, over the years, he's been a clapper for seven and a half years. Um, over the, let's say, past three years, uh, having become one of the central players with his technical technical ability, uh, his yeah, the way he reads the game, and then finally scoring goals, uh, which he had a hard time doing so in the in his first years in Gladbach. And yeah, then, as I said, uh, the top candidate for succeeding Lars Stindl as captain. So uh, this is certainly a huge blow. I don't know how we are going to view this in maybe two or three years when we know how things are going to develop in Gladbach, how they use the money they get for him because he, he's turning 31 in a few days and you never know how players at this age develop in the next one or two seasons. Yeah, but at this moment, it's uh, nothing but a huge blow. Um Uh, as you already said, he is not the only big name leaving. Uh, Lars Stindl, you, you already mentioned him. He returned to his home club, Karlsruhe, to finish his career there. Um, Rani Benzibaini, um, he moved to uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund in a free transfer. And to Ram as another free transfer, he joined uh, Inter. Um, What do you make of these losses? Um, uh, how important were the players? How big is the blow um, that they are gone? Yeah, I mean, um, by numbers, Gladbach is losing 39 of its uh, 52 goals from last season. And the next guys in the list, Nico Elvedi with three and Alassane Pelea with two, might also leave this summer. So, yeah, possibly the only players who scored one goal <laughs> last season uh, left left in the club. And, um, yeah, you mentioned the, the four big transfers, um, three of them free agents, so only money for, for Jonas Hofmann. So it's really hard to rebuild the squad because there's, Yeah, basically no money to do so. Um, so this this couldn't be a bigger blow. And I think many people have the impression that it Lapar is used to losing maybe three, four key players every summer. But actually, it's never been that way. They kind of um, limited it to one or two players um, every summer and then uh, earned a lot of money with them and could buy three or four new players to develop um, and then sell again in a few years. And this system simply doesn't work anymore and they have to rebuild uh, like almost from the bottom, not like the bottom of the table, but it kind of feels like like the bottom now. And yet it's, it's, a, it's a huge task. Yannick, uh, we knew that some of those players would leave. Did that have an impact on the last season, that there was a sense that players are not perhaps fully committed anymore or there's already this transition is already happening in the season? And was it one of the reasons you think that Daniel Farke had had such a hard time? Because on paper, he looked with his possession style 
the ideal coach for this team, uh, yet it didn't really work out so well for him. Mm -hmm. uh, like sporting director Roland Wirkus mentioned it as one of the big reasons that at the beginning of the season, half of the squad didn't know how its future was going to be, if they were going to leave, stay, uh, extend their contract, whatever. Um, so, yeah, of course, it's going to play a role, but Glapper also has kind of been used to this in the past years. Um, Adi Hütter had the same problems. Okay, you could say, well, if uh, uh, these problems uh, have been there for such a long time, uh, they might uh, lie deeper in the club and not be the coach's problem. I think Daniel Farker, of course, had a hard time, but as I said, he's not been the first one having a hard time in Gladbach in, in recent years. Uh, there could have been a chance for him to have a future, but I think he was not um, pragmatic enough and not maybe also willing to adapt his style in some way to, to make things uh, possible and uh, yeah to, to um, start rebuilding the team already within this season. So he, he stuck to players like Ami Benziberini and, and Marcus Turam, who everybody knew were leaving the club. Uh, for example, uh, German talent Luca Netz uh, barely got any minutes at, as left back on the Benziberini position. So yeah, it's... Um, It's really complicated. And then, you know, Farke maybe was not always clever in his communication, not always on point, and also lost the backing of the fans, in the end also of, of, of the club leaders. Um, so, yeah, complicated situation. Um, he, uh, he, he was some kind of a victim, but, but not only. Um, there were some terrific results last season. Um, beating Bayern, beating uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, for example, some good matches, some even great matches. But um, we had the view over the season that there was a huge frustration around the club. How, how, how do you see it? Yeah, certainly. Um, in February, when they beat Bayern Munich, people, oh, the fans were not even able to... to uh, be happy about it, as you might expect when you beat Bayern Munich, okay, with, with 11 against 10, but still, you know, a victory against Bayern is, is always a day to celebrate, but people were like, why why are they uh, performing this way only against uh, opponents like Bayern Dortmund? They also beat Leipzig 3-0 <laughs> at home or in, in the derby against Köln. Um, so, and, and they were proven right in the next week when they lost 4-0 at Mainz 5. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's maybe a, a good example how Gladbach's last season went. Um, the players sometimes admitted that they uh, kind of, it's easier for them to reach 100% or even more against opponents like Bayern. Um, but the reason this, this team is built like this or uh, yeah, has, has an attitude like this is, is also, I think, a, a result of, of the squad management in past years that this team has been together for such a long time. Uh, not many new players coming in. So, yeah, that's, that's also a symptom of all the problems Gladbach has. Yannick, how difficult will it be to get Gladbach back into the European places? You were in the Champions League not that long ago. I say you, I hope you don't... Uh, um, you don't mind, um, especially without the ability to reinvest. Uh, a lot of these players that we mentioned have left on, on free um, after running down their contracts. Uh, even Hofmann, who is an uh, absolute key player, only got 10 million euros um, with his 
departure? Uh, where's the money coming from to have this rebuild that this team really needs? It is certainly the biggest task since re-establishing in the Bundesliga after a second relegation uh, in 2008, uh, which they succeeded in. They haven't gone down again since then, um, but they were close uh, last time in 2011. And of course, now many people even fear uh, that's going to be Gladbach's future to, to fight against relegation again. So um, I think last season... Um, just measured by the potential of the players uh, who were still there, might have been the last chance to play for European football or compete for European spots um, for a long time. And now um, the goal of rebuilding this team is going to be like in midfield without any uh, tendencies towards towards the bottom of the table. And then maybe you know, finish in a ninth spot in in single digit spots, as they, they say in Gladbach or have said uh, all the time under Max Eber. Uh, and then see, yeah, how, how you get back to get back on track and maybe can can think about European football again. And the money, you, you ask about it. Um, I only see one player who can bring in the money to to rebuild the squad in an easier way. And that's Manu Kone at this point. Uh, you might bring them 30, 35 million euros. Um, but in no recent years or in, in the in the past, there have been three, four, five players of this uh, level where you could say, okay, maybe we sell this one or this one, or then uh, next season we're gonna gonna sell him. So um, yeah, that has also changed. Yeah, and we have this um, little feature called Learning Fußball Deutsch and we're in Honey. Learning Fußball Deutsch with Beer and Honey. I don't know if it's really a Fußball Deutsch uh, expression, more Deutsch uh, as such, but a kleinere Brötchen backen uh, <laughs> translates as um, baking smaller pieces of bread. Um, Toning down your expectations, adjusting uh, your dreams. Is this is this the season that's uh, that's happening? Do supporters have to adjust their expectations and have to do they almost have to settle for uh, mediocrity, which uh, even though sounds bad, might actually be a good thing if it's a mid-table season next year? Yes, I think uh, today as we're speaking, July seventh. This um, might be the time they're searching for an oven to 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 bake <laughs> to bake the bread <laughs> still, um, and there's a chance to find a good one, and then uh, we see how big the bread is going to be. Uh, to to stay in this metaphor, um, it, it's really hard to tell right now because um, the transfer window has has just started, and um, you know there there is this chance to to sell a player for a, a huge amount, but maybe they're not going to succeed in it. And then we will look at players like Nico Elvedi, Florian Neuhaus with expiring contracts next year. So there are many options and, and ways for Gladbach this transfer window could end. And um, I, I don't know how it's going to end. And I guess in, at Gladbach and uh, guys like uh, sporting director Ron Wirkus don't know themselves right now. Uh, let's talk about Roland Wirkus for a second. Um, he, um, as a successor for Max Eberl, he, he, he has a long story at the club. He, he was uh, leading the youth setup um, at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. How do you judge him so far? Mm, what, what I like about Roland Wirkus is that he's really pragmatic and realistic also about his own abilities. That's why they um, extended the, the like like his level 
uh, at the club. They, um, you know, he's, he's the chief of sport. Um, and now they hired a sporting director, uh, Nils Schmatke, the son of former Wolfsburg and Cologne manager, uh, Jörg Schmatke now at, at Liverpool. Um, they, um, yeah, also have some new positions like uh, head of development who's, um, responsible for the transition from youth academy to, to the seniors. Um, so, um, yeah, Ronald Wirkus is, uh, working on it. Of course, he's not the, the big communicator like Max Eberl, who was, uh, you know, one week he was in the Doppelpass and then in the sports studio. Next week, uh, we haven't seen Roland Wirkus there so far. And I guess we're not going to see him there. Um, maybe Nils Schmatke can, can do this job. Um, but what's most important, like the decisions Roland Wirkus, uh, has made, the players he has transferred to Gladbach, um, Yeah, have been quite good so far. And he, of course, has to stick to this uh, uh, road of success. Um, otherwise, um, it's going to be hard for Gladbach. But I think he he's a guy who has to be measured by his decisions, by his transfers, and not the way he, he acts or communicates. Uh, so if you only do this, you, you might get a wrong impression of his work. Um, yeah, but... Also, of course, that's that's a huge different uh, to to the times under Max Eber. Um, Yannick, before we let you go, uh, you said it's it's a, 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 um, a bit too early to judge um, the situation because there might players there might be players leaving. There will surely will be players coming in. But um, how concerned are you that you will report about uh, relegation fights? next season mm, maybe i'm not used to it anymore because uh years in gladbach have been uh so so sunny um I, i'm pretty sure next season is going to be a pretty cloudy one but the past two ones have already been i'm not so much concerned about relegation battle because i'm sure like the, the size of this club and the, the way it's it's led by people like roland workers and and also these these new guys who, who are there now um make them a different club, like, for example, Hertha BSC, who, who have uh, now gone to, to second Bundesliga. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's a season where everybody's going to be to be relieved when they reach 40 points, uh, a, a, a number barely anyone has talked about in, in the past years in Gladbach. Um, in uh, years, 15 years ago, they have never reached uh, 40 points, uh, like coming from the bottom. Um, so, um, yeah, then we see what's, what's going to be possible. Um, the last two years, nobody was satisfied with 10th place in Bundesliga and 45 or 43 points. But I guess everybody will be satisfied next year if, if this is the result. Thanks a lot, Yannick, for, for your um, tremendous insights. And yeah, um, Thanks for the invitation. And uh, I think we will we'll talk again next season and, and see where Borussia is heading. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's certainly exciting and an exciting time to report about this club because um, sometimes you know what's going to happen next and you're pretty sure about everything, but this is a time where nobody knows how it's going to end. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, bye -bye. Yannick. Thank you. Bye. Raphael, um, there are new kids on the block in the Bundesliga and they are totally new kids. 
because they have never been in the Bundesliga before. I, I'm wondering how many Bundesliga the, the uh, clubs do we have now? Is it 57. And it really is a bit of a fairy tale, uh, Christoph, because uh, this is a team that in 2007 was in the fifth division of German football uh, from a very small town in Baden-Württemberg, which is the area where, where Stuttgart and Karlsruhe uh, are based, among others. But they managed to get promoted four times, and here they are, four promotions in what is it, 18, no, 16 years. And here they are in the Bundesliga. Now, of course, everyone looks at them and looks at the squad and looks at the players that they're buying and thinks this is, <laughs> this is Bundesliga 2 written all over them. They will go straight down again. But uh, even in the second Bundesliga, people thought they have no chance of staying up there with this small team in terms of the, the, the money that they have. But in Frank Schmidt, they have a manager who's been there all this time and they have really good scouting, uh, I would say. They find always interesting players for very little money. And of course, if you ask me, will they go down? I would say yes. But at the same time, it wouldn't be a huge shock if they somehow managed to stay up because they have been making... Not maybe perhaps not the impossible, but the improbable happen, a regular occurrence over the last, last few years. Are there any big names? Um, I, I, I think when we look at them, there are almost no players um, that uh, have played in the Bundesliga and the first Bundesliga before, probably some of them, a handful of games or so, but, but there is... Um, also the coach, you, you, you mentioned him, he has been at the club all his life, so he also hasn't, uh, has not been uh, coaching in the Bundesliga. Um, are there any names um, to, to learn before the start uh, of the season? Yeah, I think that the biggest player is uh, Tim Kleindienst, the center forward. He scored 25 goals in Bundesliga 2. He was the, the leading goal scorer in the second Bundesliga, but when it comes to real experience in the top flight, it's it's hard to find them. I mean, there are players like Tim Siersleben, who's been on loan uh, from Wolfsburg, a first division team who has been now signed permanently. Uh, there's uh, Marvin Pieringer, who's a center forward for Schalke, with some very limited experience, who's, who's moving over. And, uh, you know... <laughs> Players who only really insiders will know, Eren Dingchi from, from Werder Bremen, who's come on loan. He's a 20-year-old who hasn't seen much action in Bremen. So none of these guys scream Bundesliga experience. None of these guys um, come with huge CVs, with, with huge experience from having fought against Uh, relegation in the Bundesliga before and knowing what to do. I think Heidenheim, if they are to succeed, they're once again doing it their own way. They're not trying now to 
change everything and to spend this money that they're getting from the Bundesliga on buying these uh, these players that will that will help them. No, they're keeping they're keeping their policies of of getting young players, getting cheap players, and trusting their own scouting and trusting the the magical work of Frank Schmidt to somehow make it happen. But my feeling is, Christoph, without having spoken to anyone from Heidenheim, that they know that they're really up against it. And the way that the squad is built and the way that the money is being spent is already with an eye of being in a good position when they have to maybe do the same thing again next season uh, after relegation. So they're being very prudent, very smart. And at the same time, I think determined to enjoy this once-in-a-lifetime experience of, of being in the Bundesliga. In a way, we're looking forward to it, although um, uh, Heidenheim is part of the uh, very often mentioned dwarfification of, of, of the Bundesliga, uh, but maybe there are, uh, they, they show up as terrific dwarfs or magic dwarfs or, or <laughs> whatever. And... Um, so let's let, let's talk a bit um, uh, about uh, surely no dwarfs, but, well, but in a way debatable, <laughs> debatable. But if, if you look at the name uh, and uh, they are they they should be giants. Um, I think they uh, should be giants. Should be their sort of unofficial. Club motto, you know. We should You're, be giants. Do you, do, do you remember the band? There was a band that was called "They uh, They Should Be Giants." Maybe they should play in the Olympia Stadium, but but they were not big enough to fill the Olympia Stadium. Yeah. Um, I'm living in Berlin, um, and I am surprised in a way because, I mean, the um, season in the second division starts earlier. Uh, at the end of July, and actually, I, I I don't have a clear idea what their team will be because there are still a, a lot of uh, names or big names like Dodi Lokebakio or Trussard there, uh, where I would have expected that they have already sold them and probably they need to sell them. So, um, and I'm. Um, I really don't know um, how many players will come and how many players will go. So it, th this picture is still a bit blurred. But what I find interesting here is everybody around Hertha is so happy about them. Or almost everybody. Um, and happy? Or, yeah. resigned, or resigned to their fate? Mm, no, I, I think it's a it's a strange optimism, and uh, I think it is. I, so, uh, and and one one uh, proof for it is um, uh, that they sold as many season tickets, or already more than they have done uh, last season. And I think that is, if you have have a, a season like they had uh, behind you. Uh, that people happily show up again <laughs> to 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 get the next season ticket, uh, especially when you know that you easily will get a, a, a ticket for almost every match because the the Olympia Stadium is so big. Um, 
So that's one one indicator. But um, living in Berlin, I I know a lot of people who support uh, Hertha and like them and, and so on. And yeah, and um, optimism is probably um, uh, the wrong word, but what they v very intensely like their club uh, right now. And I think that probably has to do that with, uh, still to do with um, uh, Kai Bernstein as a president. Uh, we talked about him, the guy with the ultra background. And I think he, he is, is finding a tone to speak about Hertha that a lot of people can um, like or, or, or can connect to. Mm. But what about the team? Are they, I mean, we don't know, as you said, what they will look like, but uh, there is less than three weeks to go or just about three weeks to go. Um, is your hunch that they'll be good enough to go back up or with all the financial uncertainty would be looking at a more pr pronounced stay from Hertha and Bundesliga too. I mean, if, if all the players they have right now uh, stay, or especially if all the good players uh, uh, they have right now stay, I, I think they would have a, a great chance to uh, uh, go up um, immediately again. But, um, but uh, as I said... Um, I think it's it's um, it's difficult to to uh, to talk about um, Hertha right now because the yeah the picture is is uh, um, un very unclear and um, I don't know if they if they will drown in mediocrity in the second division or if they will fight for the relegation from the beginning on um, don't don't ask me. <laughs> But what can we say about Hertha's um, wider issues? They have this American investor on board, but at the same time they have, as you said, in Kai Beinstein, an ultra who wants to do things in a very Hertha, uh, typical way, kind of old-fashioned, uh, relying on their own expertise on, on Hertha players. How is that very uneasy relationship going to play out uh, it doesn't sound as if it's going to be a recipe for for harmony and uh, very successful collaboration yeah but but um it's right but um, um the the optimism and and the stuff i was talking about i think it has a lot to do with the relief um, that Hertha managed to um, to get the license for for the second um, Bundesliga, so that that meant they had to sort out a lot of financial problems and um, also that um, their relation to Triple um, Seven, uh, the investor that took over from from last winter, um, uh, that there were doubts that um, it was. Uh, everything according to 50 plus one but th this is sorted and and um, so I I think there are no no uh, bombs ticking below the the surface when it, when it comes to um, uh, to to the finances because the DFL is very strict in that regard and I I think they had a very close eye on Hertha um, because the city, their financial situation was so messy. And who's going to be in charge of guiding Hertha back to Bundesliga One or at least to some sort of stability in in Bundesliga Two? Is it still Paul Dardai? There was some 
rumors that uh, the investors weren't so happy that they wanted somebody else? Uh, of course, it's uh, Paul Dardai. Um, and, and I think he's, he's also adding to this positive feeling um, I was talking about. Uh, Paul Dardai is obviously totally relaxed uh, about uh, the situation. And I said it's, it's, it's complicated. He has uh, way more th uh, than 30 players. And, um, and there are a lot of, I, I already mentioned some names, but I think there were uh, um, a lot of players on an imaginary selling list, or maybe it's a real one that's uh, hanging somewhere in the, um, uh, the offices at Hertha. So, for example, uh, probably John Joe Kenny, uh, we know him, he played the, the English, who, who uh, already played for Schalke also. Zeefuik, um, the, the, uh, the Dutch player, of course, Lucas Toussaint, I mentioned him. Tolga Sigerci, he came back to Hertha, but they weren't too, too happy with them. Suat Serda, a big name. I th think they could get some money for him, a former a German national player. And, and um, Wilfried Kanga, a, a um, um, Ivorian uh, goal scorer who came from Switzerland, who almost uh, didn't score any goals. And uh, uh, Christoph uh, Piontek is, is, is back. Um, uh, they paid a lot of money some, some years back and they loaned him several times last season. He was in Salernitana in, in Italy. So uh, yes, I, I think there is a lot, lot of work to, to sell players and, and may, maybe bring in one, one or two others. Um, the biggest demand is for Jessica Gankam. Uh, A, a player from the Hertha Youth uh, team who played for the uh, German under-national team also at the European Championship, not very successfully, as we know, because um, also the uh, German under-21 team dropped out uh, at the European Championship after the group stage. Um, yeah, but um, so, but as I said, Paul Dardai is totally relaxed about the situation and... Um, who knows better than him? <laughs> hmm. Well, let's see. Let's see if that uh, relaxed state of mind can survive the harsh realities of Bundesliga 2, which is an easy league to get into, but a very tough one to get out to. But I think that sums up part four of our big preview review here at Beer and Honey. Thank you so much, dear listener. Thank you, especially if you are a very valued supporter and help us to keep Beer and Honey going. We still need to get a few more to reach our target. Uh, new ones uh, are joining every week. So there is a steady uptick in support. Please keep it going. But we still need a bit more to have a future that is as secure as Hertha's or perhaps even more <laughs> in the next season. That was uh, Bier and Honey for this week. I'm Rafael Honigstein. I'm Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bier and Honey, the German football podcast. <laughs>